Uh, we're back. Uh, we've got awesome guests today, kind of like tapping into Bitcoin. We don't do much Bitcoin on Blockmates, and when I do get the opportunity to do it, I get to do it with something quite special. Uh, Rich from CoreDAO Core are building something quite special. They are essentially combining the the best of, in my opinion, worlds of Bitcoin and in many ways Ethereum slash EVM. Uh, Rich, intro from your side, welcome. Fantastic to have you. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Thanks again for having me. Really excited to, to chat here today. It's, you know, been a long time in the making. Yeah. So, I mean, just to kick it off, what is what is Core doing um, at the very essence of it? Um, technically, and I think maybe even a little bit of a philosophical question in that. Totally. Um, so Core is really trying to combine the best parts of, of Bitcoin and Ethereum in this case. And what that means is security decentralization of Bitcoin and then also the expressibility, composability and scalability of, of the Ethereum uh, or EVM based change generally. And the idea is if you go kind of back in time, we, we've seen most of these things be almost like uh, like zealous wars between different groups of like it must be pure one must be pure the other. But we take kind of a more practical viewpoint, which is, no, there's best parts of, of all these systems. Let's try to combine it into one. And, and that's where kind of some of the original ideas from the contributors around Satoshi Plus consensus came into being, which is try to take the benefits of both, smash them together into one hybrid consensus mechanism, and then let that be the new underpinning of, of this chain called Core. And, and that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts. Happy to double click on any different pieces. But, but that was kind of the genesis of the idea. Um, from the like philosophical, you know, kind of element that, that goes along that, from that is as an industry, we've kind of moved away from a lot of the original crypto ideals, let's call it from like the seven, 2017 cycle onwards. And you've had the TPS scalability wars kind of above decentralization. And when you look at the blockchain trilemma and what folks have traded off, it's almost always been decentralization for, for scalability. And again, we've got much more performant blockchains that have come out. And again, like that's amazing technical achievements and that sort of thing. But you have to kind of ask yourself, is that really true to the crypto ethos? You know, what what Bitcoin was was really meant to go do. And, and that's something that Core is, is trying to back bring back into the forefront. What do you believe Bitcoin sought out to do? I mean, in terms of Satoshi, I mean, from a from a pure from a pure Bitcoin perspective, what do you think that intention was? I mean, obviously we we have the white paper. There is kind of like this 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 peer to peer network, but was it more than just that? I mean, how do you perceive that in terms of its roots, and then also in terms of where it is right now? So I think the original intention, and I do think we've deviated slightly, but but I think the original intention was unseizable, uncensorable hard money, and just a return towards principle economic and monetary policy, like understanding kind of how all of that was going to play out really as a reaction to the, the GFC and all the, the fallout that, that came out of that. And again, previous bad behavior as well. But I think that was, you know, the catalyst to go back to the first Bitcoin block and, you know, all, all that sort of thing. And, and I think where it moved to was Bitcoin as money had a bunch of scalability and technical challenges that actually started to hurt that use case. So it more morphed in digital gold and the store of value use case, which is still immensely important and immensely valuable. And, and I think what we're seeing now is that there still is demand for, for Bitcoin as money or more uses of Bitcoin than just digital gold, even though it, it is amazing at doing that. But, but folks want more. 
And I think we've seen that with like ordinals, BRC20s, like new kind of economic activity that's been proliferating on Bitcoin really since early last year. And I think that's going to bring in a whole wave of, of new Bitcoin use cases. Of course, Core, Core is here to support those. But I think philosophically, the Bitcoin community is also open to those and being able to use, uh, you know, Bitcoin for more than just digital gold. So, I mean, and I, I really like the fact that that you are being mindful of this evolution. I mean, it's, it's why you guys are building what it is that you're building. But at the same time, how do you bridge that divide between kind of like this, this almost like hardcore Bitcoin maxi perspective, you know, that it's got to be a, B or C. And in this case, it's kind of like, it's an A, you know, it's got to be a store of value. We've decided that it's a store of value and anything that, that kind of like tries to transcend that we will oppose and we will argue till we're blue in the face that this can't happen. I mean, what are your thoughts around that? Do you think that that's just something that we'll always have in the space? Or do you think that that way of thinking will evolve the same way that we've obviously realized that, listen, it's evolving, we need to accept ordinals or whatever the case is in whatever form they might be? Or do you think that that's always just going to be like the attitude? Well, forget it, we're not going to do anything about this. And, you know, you can't do anything about this. It needs to remain as a. So I think it's a really good question. And I think we see like th there's value in every viewpoint out there and you have to kind of approach it holistically, I think, to see the good and the bad in, in all of these different viewpoints. What I would say is like the traditional maxi mentality has been waning. And I think that is a positive for the space. Like a lot of the, the loudest voices on Twitter have the, you know, the majority of the mind share in big audiences. But I don't think that necessarily represents the larger community. And I think more and more Bitcoiners are starting to accept and appreciate that. And it's led to this more healthy kind of emergence of discussion, really for the first time since 2017 in the block size wars, which were like kind of the last religious debate in, in Bitcoin. And if you look at that, like people are kind of voting with their transactions, right? When you look at Ordinal's BRC20s, it is this amazing, open, democratized experience we don't necessarily know as an industry what to do with all of that yet, but it is certainly that this locus of, of of interest. And I think with that, we're going to continue to see more and more of that shift evolve. And some of these things I think is important is when you're like an L1 like core that's trying to be Bitcoin aligned, you need to address all of these different participants in that ecosystem. So if I can chat a little bit about the roadmap, it's just we've got non-custodial Bitcoin staking coming. That's for, hey, I want to take no risk. I just want to stay on Bitcoin, but I want to earn yield, have Bitcoin be a productive asset for me. But then for folks that want full Bitcoin DeFi, we'll have the ability to swap atomically onto core or to bridge it over. And you can then walk down the, the risk spectrum as you want to engage in perps dexes or borrow lens, like all these sorts of things. But I think it's really important that we need to have offerings available for all of these different participants because Bitcoin is a very non-homogenous uh, group of people. So th that's at least my view on it. So essentially what you've done is a great answer because what you've done is that you've essentially presented what it is that you guys are planning and what it is that you guys are doing within the context of core. And it's that, it's that bridge between what we chatted about earlier on is it's that bridge between you know, the fundamentals of what Bitcoin has to offer, regardless of what your perspective is on it. So whether it is, you know, the hard money side of it, whether it is the digital goal side of it, or whether it is the creative 
and even dare I say it, the DJ side of it. I mean, I, I do det detect a little bit of DJ in in kind of like the DeFi aspect of what it is that you're doing. And I think the the really important question for me at this juncture is how do you guys plan on essentially packaging this thing and delivering it from you know from a roadmap perspective and 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 all that kind of thing. So it's definitely a hard problem. That that that's what I like to, to say out there. But you know, hard problems are only things worth solving. Um, so so to look at how we're actually approaching it, you know, tactically, like like day by day, is like the larger, you know, millions of people in the core community and the, the contributors all around the world. There's this novel piece of our consensus to like kind of quickly go back into there, which is like the delegated proof of work mechanism. That's this trustless relay process, and that trustless relay process now has around almost one out of every two Bitcoin blocks currently supporting core. And all of that's totally um, totally auditable on any Bitcoin block explorer, et cetera. And the idea there was to get this mechanism really locked in, put the right crypto economic incentives in place to have these, these miners secure in the core network as well. And when we think about, okay, for these stakers that will come from, from Bitcoin as well, there was a des desire to have the same system carry over again. And you might say, hey, why would you want to use that same system again? Well, one, it's been battle hardened over, you know, nearly a, a year of, of being live, which in crypto time is long, but in, you know, the, the world time is, is short. But also that it allows these folks to be full participants in governance of core. And if we know anything around, uh, if we know anything around Bitcoin, you know, folks generally, governance is really important. And if you look at some of these restaking protocols and some of these other things that are coming online, it's more or less just value extractive. There's really not this, this symbiotic relationship between Bitcoin and the other chain or protocol in this case. And having that symbiosis is really important because you want to make sure all the actors are actually moving in the same beat or have the ability to disagree and commit and kind of put all those things in place. But you need everybody represented. And that was really important to us. And that's why like the staking piece was, was very deliberate in how it was designed to stand out relative to some of the competitors, but also to be really you know, insured for the long term. And those same staking rewards also come out of the, the block rewards for the network, which means it is sustainable long term. So the other thing that was you know, really important as part of the design is how do you bring this into the network and ensure it stays versus just kind of be like a one-off kind of flash in the pan type thing that unfortunately the industry is, is known for. And when it comes to the staking, uh, sorry, the swapping or, or the bridging over, those are using more traditional mechanisms. And again, there was this whole process of how do you pick kind of the best of Bitcoin technology as well as the best of the EVM technology that allows you to do trustless uh, swaps and, and bridging so that you could then get further into that, um, you know, the, the different DeFi aspects. But, but it's again, it's a matter of like kind of putting the right things in front of the right people, the right trust assumptions, the right understanding. And then, of course, having dApps at the end of the line that, that people can then use to, to go enjoy for, for DeFi, gaming and, and beyond. So you guys, so you, my understanding is that you guys are essentially creating an ecosystem, right? So it's like essentially an L2. Is it an L2 or is it an L1? I mean, how do you guys perceive it? Very, very good question. I think a common common question that we get that isn't like oft under oft clarified. Um, so core is actually a, a separate L1 that is secured by Bitcoin, and we think that gives us a number a number of benefits. One, having your ecosystem, building all those things out. We're of course EVM compatible. We've got 
great technical metrics, even though that's not what we sell upon because we think there's, it's more than just technical metrics as we kind of talked about a, a little earlier, but you need the flexibility to create and to optimize beyond necessarily what the constraints of an L2 and Bitcoin might encounter. And what we've seen is some of the existing L2s in Bitcoin have misalignments with different economic actors, whether that's Bitcoin holders or Bitcoin miners. We've seen you know, blocks getting censored in some of these different scenarios. We've seen long block times, not enough transactions per set. Like you get all these issues because you're bound by the, those same constraints. This allows the, the core network to be a little more flexible and we think to meet more of these use cases, and, and we're, we're pretty bullish on that being the, the correct approach. That said, we're very aligned with the entire Bitcoin community, and we think that there's merit to all of these different systems. They all bring you know, different options to the table. So is it a case of I'm creating a storefront and I'm affording you the opportunity to use Bitcoin as a basis for security in order to stake your Bitcoin, in order to transact like you would on an EVM platform or is it more than that? I mean, how does it compare? I know that this is probably the worst thing to do, but in terms of the context, I think it's the best way to try and understand it. But how does this L1 compare to something like an Ethereum um, and what Ethereum does versus what it is that you guys are looking to achieve? Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good question. So. Compared to Ethereum in terms of like the utility of like the ETH token versus like the core token, those the utility is actually quite similar with the exception that core allows you to also participate in governance. Ethereum doesn't really have on-chain governance. Maybe at some point it will, but it doesn't currently. Um, but from the utility perspective, it's quite, it's quite similar. You get very different philosophical points in terms of our commitment to decentralization from Bitcoin versus the Ethereum's commitment to decentralization through proof of stake. Like there's, again, different different pieces there. What I would say is the tie into Bitcoin and that governance is super important to many, many people around the world. There's also very different audiences of the two chains. So Ethereum is a mainly like Web3 native audience. There's lots of Web2 people that, that have heard about it, but maybe haven't participated yet. Transaction fees are really expensive. There's all sorts of like negative externalities for a lot of folks out there. The, the core audience is actually a lot of folks who are new to Web3. And there's actually been these deliberate campaigns to try to get as much mindshare with these folks as possible because they get very high alignment with Bitcoin. They've heard about it for, for now, you know, 15 plus years and that sort of thing. And they want to start to engage in more Bitcoin activities, whether it's staking or, you know, other kind of DeFi apps or gaming, et cetera. But the audience is, is also quite different in, in terms of who will engage in these applications because they're not priced out. It's, it's more democratic and there's more access. And we think a lot of the builders that are currently on core are actually starting to build for this audience. So a great example is we have Element Wallet, which is the flagship, uh, the flagship wallet of the core chain that's actually like a stablecoin and core based wallet that is designed specifically for emerging markets use cases. So I'd say it's, it's different philosophical pieces and also different utility pieces. Long term, I think there'll be different fee market dynamics as well. This is like a little too far in the roadmap to talk about. But, but I do think there are different fee market dynamics that Core will likely innovate on that will allow cheap, sustainable, predictable transactions, whether paid in Core or in Bitcoin, to be a possibility. But that's too far out. Great. Um I know that there's this, I mean, you've coined, you've coined obviously a really, a really 
catchy phrase around the Satoshi plus consensus mechanism. Um, origin of that, um, and what is it exactly, and what does it really, what does it mean at the core of it? I mean, you have touched, you have touched on it. Uh, give us a an insight into that because I think that's very telling in terms of what it is that you guys are achieving. Here. It's definitely catchy. I wish I could take the credit for that, but but I can't. Uh, it's it's an homage to to Satoshi Mak, uh, Nakamoto. Like Nakamoto consensus again changed the world. I think he's the greatest inventor of this century and beyond, or that group of people, whoever was responsible for it. Truly game changing technology. And like we've heard so many startups and things like that over the years, they're going to change the world and that sort of thing. But I think it's hard to pinpoint any one innovation of the last at least twenty years that have had as much of an impact as Bitcoin has on the world. So th there's definitely an homage there, and it's really important. And, and we're very very supportive of, of Bitcoin. And that's been kind of the tie-in since, since day one. Um, when we talk about Satoshi Plus itself, there's really this, this hybrid delegated proof of stake and delegated proof of work. And on the delegated proof of stake side, it's pretty standard, if you will, which is you've got a set of validators, anyone can delegate to them, but it was really important to make that minimum delegation. And now with the LST product that just came out, essentially zero, so that everyone can participate. And, and that goes back to, again, the ethos of Bitcoin, which is closer towards like the fair launch. Anyone can run, uh, anyone can start Bitcoin mining if you don't have a high likelihood of producing a block. But it's so critical in these systems that everyone can participate. And that was very important for, for, for core as well. And on the other side, you get the delegated proof of work. And there's this trustless relay mechanic that Bitcoin mining pools as they produce blocks in Bitcoin. They add a little bit of data to it. That block gets relayed over to core by an actor called a relayer. If anyone acts malfeasant throughout the whole thing, the verifier can flag it as malfeasant slash, et cetera. And then we take the combination of their delegated proof of stake and their delegated proof of work. And that's how the validator set gets selected. And that's how we combine the, or that's how Satoshi Plus combines the, the two different interests as part of it. Um, quickly touching back on the like equal participation piece, that's actually why as, as core came into came into existence and went to mainnet and then this airdrop and everything last year, it was actually entirely self-funded. And that was really important because there didn't no one wanted a insiders versus outsiders dynamic. Everyone wanted the, the holders of the token to be the user base, to stake, to participate in governance. Again, as another homage to you know Satoshi and that sort of thing, trying to get you know closer towards a fair launch than we've seen in, in quite some time. So in terms of that integration, is there a plan to integrate um, between current EVM, EVM blockchains, Bitcoin blockchain and core? Is there kind of like this, this dynamic of, of bridge functionality that you guys are looking at doing? Can you give us some insight into that? So one of our earliest partners was, was Layer Zero. And uh, one of the early things that came on after Core went to mainnet in 2023 was actually the bridge powered by, by Layer Zero that's connected to Polygon, Arbitrum, Optimism, and like a variety of other uh, you know, EVM networks. And, and that will continue to grow and, and flourish. One of the more exciting pieces is as we open up some of the Bitcoin bridging aspects, as well as some cool swapping aspects that will likely come on a little bit later, that will allow us to connect to the majority of the Bitcoin-based chains or Bitcoin L2s as well. And where Core wants to be the hub of all of this Bitcoin activity, it's really important to kind of have all the different pieces connected. Yeah, I think I totally agree. I think that's that's key to this whole thing is like um, 
being able to afford anyone the opportunity to essentially participate in what it is that you guys are offering without, you know, this complex kind of like run around. I think that like that's been one of the like if you look at what's happening with a lot of the cosmos stuff at the moment, like that's really difficult to access, you know. And I know that there's this meme that goes around that, you know, the harder the harder it is to get to something, the more kind of like popular it is. I think that does apply, but it doesn't at the same time I don't think it creates an environment that's sustainable. I think people, you know, your your hardcore DJs get in early, but then they're kind of like you need you need that flow, you know, the constant flow. And and if you guys have managed to essentially excuse the phrase bridge the divide. And I think the, you know, it's kind of like it's 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 a foregone conclusion that people will participate in this whole thing. Like ordinals is a really good example of something that has always interested me, but at the same time, I haven't stepped into that realm because I'm running a business, I've you know, I'm conducting interviews, I've got research to do. I don't have the time. I don't have you know, an extra two hours a day to go and figure out how do I actually get funds into this realm of possibility. And here we have Core who's saying, guys, if you want to play in this space, we are actually giving you the keys to the kingdom. And and I wanted to just touch on kind of like we've we've looked at like the, the, the traditional approach to, you know, what potentially Core could provide, you know, from the Bitcoin side of things. But let's look at kind of like the outlier stuff and maybe you can bring your crystal ball to the table here and give us a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a little bit of insight in terms of like what's really interesting on the tangent stuff, you know, like the outlier stuff. I mean, we know about ordinals. If you can just kind of like tap into that. I know it's a topic that you know a lot about. And maybe give us some clues as to what you think might be coming, you know, in the, in the future, particularly of Bitcoin and, and, and that realm. So ordinals are are one of the most like divisive topics, maybe not ordinals, just inscriptions generally. Let's say it's yeah. like one of, the, one of the more divisive topics in crypto now. And and I think there's like, if you look at like the the right skew, left skew, mid, like the, the, the curve that, that you always see, um, there's just a variety of takes. And it's like the it's spam, I think, is like right in the middle. And then yeah. on the outside, it's like, hey, this is really cool and democratized access. And I think that viewpoint well, and then credit to the Taproots Wizards folks for really kind of kicking all this off. But I think it's going to become more understood as the year goes on of the real utility that that this can bring. And like the mental model that that I use, and this is again like kind of rough, is inscriptions are almost like a super democratized ICO. And ICO has a very bad moniker to it because again, there was a lot of bad behavior that went with that. But if you, you know, you give me the, the minute to describe it, it's anyone can inscribe anything, right? And whether or not that's valuable or not, anyone can participate. What destroyed ICOs? I, you know, it was all the gas like problems where no one could participate. It wound up only being the rich would eat that sort of thing. But ordinals prevents that. Or not ordinals, inscriptions. It prevents that. It allows everyone to participate on the Bitcoin network. You don't need special technology. You don't need kind of any of these different pieces. The question now is, how does that then actually accrete value beyond like JPEGs and that sort of thing, which is a totally valid use case in and of itself. But I think we're going to see a lot of what I'm going to call a conversion of inscriptions to actual tokens in like an ERC-20 or something else. And we'll see these start to trade 
on AMMs or on you know perp dexes or just general dexes against other ERC20 tokens. And I think you're going to see this really start to go mainstream as these things become a class in of itself. And I think you also see more and more value as this continues to like professionalize, if you will, to a lot of these ordinals and general like Bitcoin NFT projects as well, because this is scarce. It's quite interesting. There is demand for it. And you're going to see both of these really, I think, start to blossom. And, and it's very cool, again, to see like this renewed interest and excitement in, in Bitcoin. And this really was, was spurred by, by a lot of the stuff that happened early last year. I think if I also kind of crystal ball, and uh, again, part of this is like what Core is working on, but there's also part of this that other folks are working on. If we go back to the original vision of Bitcoin, making Bitcoin more of a money versus just a store of value, which again is an amazing use case. It's a trillion dollars that, that says that's a good use case versus you know just me saying it. But I think we're going to see more and more of how do you make Bitcoin more of a money. And I think based on the scalability and other technical requirements that you will need, fees as well, if you go, go into kind of nuts and bolts, you'll need it to be on another layer, whether it's a layer one like core or maybe an L2. So, so I, I think that's another big trend that we'll start to see play out this year. Why do you think, why do you think this, this whole kind of like layer of, of, of giving Bitcoin this this extra use case has almost gone unnoticed. I mean, I know that there are people that are very much attent attentive, but it's not generally a topic that people are aware of. Is it because Bitcoin maxis have isolated people from kind of like delving into Bitcoin? Do you think it's just like, well, we've accepted the limitations of what Bitcoin has at the moment and we're just leaving it? I mean, where do you think kind of like the the hesitation almost of people recognizing what it is that you guys are doing like i mean this is a game changer like it really does change the game for bitcoin yet it doesn't seem to have quite caught on in a way that i would have expected it so i think there's like a variety of factors that have gone into it but i think one of the issues that has kind of come into place was there was a lot of hope in the lightning network and I actually am still very bullish on the Lightning Network long term. Like it, it in general is an amazing technology. It's got a bunch of usage. I know that Coinbase said that they're going to support it later this year. Like th there really is a bunch of uses that I think will come online. It's just very difficult and capital inefficient. There's been a series of like vulnerabilities that have come out. But I think that became what everyone in the Bitcoin community was kind of putting their hope into as this is what's going to solve Bitcoin scalability. And because of that, a lot of the research that would have normally gone into other things was, was sidecar just into lightning. And again, it's not bad. There's like amazing, smart people working on it. I'm still very optimistic. But because of that, it didn't have kind of the more Ethereum approach that was, let's try a whole bunch of different things, do a bunch of research, see what fits. And again, like whether or not that yields fruit is a different story. There's lots of problems with Ethereum L2s and that sort of thing. But I think that was one of the main drivers but I think, and this is credit to the Bitcoin community, I think minds really shifted in the last year that Lightning isn't going to be the only solution. There will be other solutions out there. And that's hard. You know, it's been five yeah. years of everyone just, you know, proselytizing Lightning. So again, big credit to the entire community for kind of being more open to solutions. So is it, is it a case of bringing other EVM dApps ideas, the Aves, the curves into the fold and saying, let's participate on an equal basis with one another, whether we're Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polygon, it doesn't matter. Is it is that what, what core 
is attempting to achieve here as a, a working ecosystem? Give us a, a little bit of a kind of like a what is what is at the essence of what it is that you guys are trying to achieve with Core? Yeah, so Core is trying to be the most used blockchain fundamentally. I think that's been something that's been missing from the space for a very long time is actual users. And when you know different people at Core talk with different builders out there and that sort of thing, you hear so much of kind of what's gone on over the last few years, which is, you know, we got these huge grants to go do something or whatever, and we built this amazing technical piece of software. But at the end of the day, there's no fees, no one's actually using it. And it's actually the most stressful thing I've ever done in my entire life. And you're like, okay, well, I understand that's very challenging. I'm sorry you went through that and that sort of thing. But would you be open to coming to a place that actually has a large audience that might be able to, uh, you know, kind of facilitate what you are ultimately trying to do, which was build a sustainable, healthy business on top of, you know, whatever blockchain you're working on. And there's been quite a reception from, from folks out there because at the end of the day, these people want to build long-term sustainable infrastructure, not just kind of drop in the pan. And, and that's been really refreshing to kind of have that builder chain alignment in terms of how, you know, both sides kind of approach this for, for the long term. And when it comes to kind of your blue chips, your Aves, those sorts of things, I do think ultimately users and eventually, you know, TVL, et cetera, combining is what brings more, it gets more and more of that interest. Because at the end of the day, they're trying to build a healthy, sustainable business as well. And I think this is kind of a change from how a lot of, um, you know, crypto projects in general have viewed success for them. Like success for a lot of these you know, folks with prior cycles and that sort of thing is really around like, hype or marketing and, and that sort of thing, Core is really trying to help crypto go mainstream. And at the end of the day, like I tell folks on a constant basis, I am a crypto maxi, not like a core maxi or a Bitcoin maxi. It's to the original crypto ideals of unseizable, uncensorable money, stability from you know unstable currencies or dynamic governments. And there'll be a variety of solutions that that help us get there. We're just you know one of those solutions that's trying to do it. But it's absolutely paramount that we keep making progress in those directions. Yeah, I completely agree, and and I do appreciate those values, and it's one of the reasons why I got into the space is for that for that understanding that we do need, you know, true decentralization, and and obviously the mechanisms to achieve that. And and what I what I really have almost like gotten stuck in this whole thing is that. Everyone's out to kind of like look at this thing from a, from a, from a, a, how do I make money out of this thing? It's like really strange. Like, like I stepped into a, into a spaces the other day with so-called Bitcoin maxis and it was all about price. It wasn't really about, you know, what does the ETF afford us the opportunity for, you know, like what happened when Satoshi created created bitcoin and the genesis block and the underlying fundamentals around why he did it um it's almost like being divorced from what's happening right now with the etf and i have to chat about the etf today's supposed to be the day that it's being announced we don't know you know what's going to happen we had a whole lot of drama yesterday which is interesting to say the least but i'm not surprised and i just wanted to kind of like get your take on you know what does the etf mean for just Bitcoin in general, and then also potentially for what it is that you guys are doing. I mean, I know that the answer might seem obvious, but maybe there's some gems in there in terms of where your head is at. 
So, so let me quickly address the the first piece of like talking about price and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I think it's really important that the space shifts towards the revenue model of crypto projects not being selling uh, tokens. Like Correct. it used to be usage, transaction fees, revenues from LST or Rapid. Like that's where the whole space needs to get to. These other pieces are much more transitory. And I think that's what we've seen so much over the past you know, several cycles is, you know, you come, you go, you flash in the pan, but you don't actually deliver any value at the end of the day. And we need to just continue to get rid of that and really be focused on these long term pieces. And, you know, we kind of talk to people frequently. And we always say this is like a 10, 20 year thing. Like this is you're really trying to build something from zero to one real infrastructure. And again, who knows if we'll be successful or not. But I think that's the mindset you, you have to have. And I think that kind of naturally goes right into your second piece around the ETF. The ETF is just a major accomplishment. I remember the, the 2013 filing when we were all, oh, yeah, it's going to happen, you know, and everything else with the Winklevoss ETF. And then I got so excited again in 2018. I actually found an email uh, the other day that I sent to someone predicting that this, this was going to happen in 2018. So I've been wrong, you know, multiple times. But but in general, I think we're on the precipice. The SEC tweet last night, or whatever, that was wild. Um, but but in general, I think, what does it mean for the space? Well, you've now got huge legitimacy, right? And now crypto is no longer a total fringe asset class, or at least Bitcoin is. But I think crypto gets some of that association as a uh, in you know relative proximity to it. But that's so big. I mean, you know, ten years ago, it's a fringe thing. You know, only you know drug dealers on the internet are using it. Like all that sort of garbage that we've heard. For, for so long or whatever, which is, again, totally incorrect, but like the MSM, you know, kind of narrative they've been telling for, for so long to see that in just 10 years is absolutely incredible. And I think the other piece that goes alongside legitimacy is just the open access. And I think this is the part that isn't as well understood in the, in the crypto community. I think people don't realize the amount of folks that do use a wealth manager or do use uh, or, or do invest out of their retirement accounts or even the world's largest financial institutions that aren't able to custody their own assets. And I'm not here to make an inflows prediction or a price prediction or anything like that. But I do think on a long-term time horizon, this is super healthy for Bitcoin. It helps create this long-term sustainable future and this legitimacy. And I'm, you know, I for one am, am super excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it does definitely, you know, the way that you articulate it is for me is that it definitely, you know, the age old meme it's, it is actually about the tech, you know, like there is, you know, you, you've got a lot of people who don't agree with proof of stake and you get a lot of people who don't agree with proof of work. And I think what I really like about core and, and, and kind of like hearing you talk about the mechanism that you guys have employed is that you are bringing the best of both worlds in. You're recognizing like this tech has value. It's got a long road ahead of it, and let's try and enhance the value that it has currently, and and obviously, you know, enhance upon it. And and I think the the biggest challenge from my perspective, and I want to hear what your 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 challenges are at the moment, and what you see into the future. But for me at the moment, like like I really struggle with the diversity of, you know, being chain agnostic and also being kind of like a crypto maxi as well. I appreciate the value that every, even like some of the, the, the ecosystems that people think are a waste of time. I think there's value in everything that people are, are, are experimenting with and developing and the whole thing. But I am also very concerned about the fragmentation. And I was just wondering, 
Like, what are your thoughts around this fragmented, not only liquidity, but also the traffic? Do you think we're still at a point where it's still really about innovation and figuring out what works the best? Or do you think it's just a case of, well, many cities, many, many, like large number of populations, so it doesn't really matter. People will find their way. I mean, what, what are your thoughts around, you know, just the sheer number of ecosystems that we have at the moment? I saw a list this morning and I was like, what? Are there really that many? Like, I didn't even realize, like, I might know 30 or 40 of them, and that's even pushing it. And then I look at this thing and there's probably like three, 400. Like, what? Oh. So I, I think I have like maybe an uh, interesting take on that. I actually think it expands far, far wider, like like short term, like like quite wide. I think you'll see a lot of like app chains come online, but like, hey, it's tied to like a mobile app type thing, like you're seeing with some of these games and that sort of thing. So I think the number is going to get like way higher. I think the number of like general purpose pieces might you know remain relatively constant or, or we'll see but at least in terms of like the l2s l3s and you know like all that sort of thing it, it's going to continue to go pretty wild for the short period of time definitely increasing user friction fragmented liquidity like those problems are only going to get worse before they get better i think it's there's several different like kind of ways to, to think about it one is like a lot of these l2s will like kind of have apps or that sort of thing where it's not about sub like it's about them having their own ecosystem versus it being decentralized and secure. I think that will become kind of like its own thing. It's like a sovereign database or something to like, it's just a different kind of technology, but I think we'll see more and more of that. I think chain abstraction is something that will become more commonplace where we've got tools that allow us to abstract over some of the common pieces. I, and will also help with some of the fragmented liquidity. But I think when it comes to the different use cases that these unlock and the user base and the community, that's what really helps some of these chains remain for the long term. And I think will help that eventually contract where there's lots of these chains that it's just about engagement and that sort of thing short term, but there's not really a lot to it after. Well, the piece that really long term accretes value, again, is usage and community. And I think that will help differentiate long term and will help kind of put distance between kind of what's there in place today and what's there for the future. But I do think, and this again, like might be naive, I do think that being in it for the tech and additional improvements is super important because this space moves so fast. And if you're not innovating constantly or trying to unlock new use cases, you're just going to get left behind. Like the risk of forking is super real in just a way that doesn't exist in like Web2, right? Um, so I think we'll continue to see a bunch of uh, a bunch of evolution. There was an amazing post. I think it was by Anatoly from Solana like two days ago um, about like is all technological like invention and, and crypto dead? And then like this new thing came out from Sovereign that made like Merkle trees like ten times more efficient today. So so it's just like this amazing uh, kind of dichotomy. But we'll watch it play out. And again, kudos to Solana people that are innovating like crazy. I think you're actually muted. Another great answer. Apologies. I think the that that's exactly like the kind of thing that I wonder about is that there will be attrition, um, and it's almost like the fittest will survive. And and but even the ones that don't survive, I think they'll have their contribution and they'll gravitate, you know, wherever that contribution that they've made is. I mean, I think in an ideal world that's what happens, but I think in this world it's going to land up happening anyways. You know, I think you will land up getting kind of like your dead weights. I mean, I have my opinions on on some protocols that that I don't think have any business being here, but I think it's just a matter of time before 
you know, they, they, they find, you know, kind of like their termination and that's just the way that it is. Um, just coming back to, you know, the, the most important thing around, you know, creating an ecosystem is, is, is allowing for people to find value. Like what is the value that you guys are looking to create within the core ecosystem itself? Yeah. So again, going back to that, becoming the most used chain, one of the big pieces that we're trying to unlock here, you know, really in earnest starting this year is being the, the home of Bitcoin DeFi. And that's a big one for us to, to unlock. There's again, tremendous demand. There's also so much trap liquidity in Bitcoin. So really trying to unlock that with our, and we refer to that as Bitcoin alignment with our existing tie into the Bitcoin miners and the one on every two Bitcoin blocks and all that sort of thing. But that's the, the primary focus right now is being able to unlock a bunch of the use cases that we already chatted about, but then some of the future use cases around payments as well, so that we can really appeal to the 6 billion Web2 users out there. And that's another big focus for Core is there's only 100, 200 million Web3 people that exist. If you want to say daily user or something like that, it's an absolute fraction of that. For crypto or core to go mainstream, we have to tap into much larger pools of numbers, you know, web two social app type numbers, or even like mobile phone subscriber like numbers. And that is really long term what you what you have to get to for this industry to totally break out and get that legitimacy that we all crave so very much. And that's a big focus for us. So in addition to some of these Bitcoin pieces, you'll see things like core, like social apps, games. All these things are launching, trying to meet all these different audiences where they're at and then help walk them up the different like utility ladders, if you will, by maybe, you know, landing and expanding with one use case and, and going to others. Great. Um, and it's not, it's not going to be a straight line. I mean, it's like, you know, like account abstraction is that do you guys have a perspective around kind of like like mass adoption is it is it about being able to present a wallet is that something like that you guys have been working on do you have a third party that's saying okay well we can actually get rid of this whole idea of you know seeds and creating a wallet and coming in or is that still kind of like the norm at the moment and we kind of just accept that that's the way it's going to be i mean what's your perspective around that and kind of onboarding the masses from that perspective yeah, so so Core does have account abstraction. We actually partnered with Biconomy, who have been amazing for us, and that went live at the end of last quarter. So fully live, and you know, very exciting partnership for for the chain. When it comes to like account abstraction, MPC, all of these different ways to go about wallets, I'll call back on a little bit of my Coinbase experience, where I helped launch the the Coinbase MPC Web three wallet. And if you Look at all these different things. There's just different trade-offs and different security assumptions. Like there's no free lunch in crypto. I think yeah. some phrases are horrible UX, but you know, it did teach people not your keys, not your coins. Like there are benefits there. If you put it in the cloud, different security assumptions, but then at least, you know, it's not it, it, it's not necessarily shared with other groups. How do you do the MPC? Who has the shards? Like each one of these things is a challenge. I think at least like steady state of kind of like my mental model for it is I don't think seed phrases are, are going away short term, maybe on a longer term they do, but I think that's going to be more of your vault. And that, that vault is where you'll keep the majority of your assets. You'll just be using that to transfer in and out to other groups, won't be used for signing or engaging in DeFi activity or buying NFTs or anything else. But then you'll have varieties, other options for more of these kind of traditional hot wallet use cases. 
And from there, you can start to change some of your assumptions that you want to roll with. Great example of that is some of the work that Privy's doing, where they've got these like app wallets that are using this cool iframe technology. And, and using that, those are great for these very specific use cases, because you're saying, hey, I'm accepting some of these trust assumptions to move fast in, in other ways. And I think that same thing applies to account abstraction, where, hey, it makes total sense that if I want to engage in this dApp, but I don't have their token or whatever token is used as part of this, that I can pay in something else and then go from there. So I think we will see a lot of that, but I don't think it's the be all end all like kind of you know hope that that solves everything because you just trade some complexity for for another. But I do think it's a big step up. I am excited for the day where we do invert the payment model of most of the DApps, where DApps are actually paying for the cost of things versus the user. Kind of going back to like your Visa, Mastercard of the world, and how it goes out of the merchant versus the the user, and I think we'll start to see more and more of that. And again, like Core does gas grants and things like that to help kind of promulgate that. But I do think that's going to be amazing for adoption just generally, is when we start to invert some of these fee mechanics and make it easier for all the fragmented liquidity and other problems we chatted about earlier. Yeah, I had a question written down when I was researching what you guys were doing, and that was fees. You know, like like ah. Uh... How do we, how does it look when the Bitcoin network is really busy? We've seen it in previous bull runs and we see fees skyrocket. I mean, we've seen it with ETH as well. Is that a contentious issue and a potential problem for what Core is doing? Can you kind of give us a little bit of a an insight into that? Is it kind of a situation where we are going to see like ridiculous prices around gas fees and transaction fees? So fees in crypto are one of those like taboo topics that I think a lot of people don't like to talk about because uh, there's also two sides of it, right? There's like the payer and the receiver. Like so there's all these different actors to like kind of take into account. Um, and how we think about it is fees in crypto generally are at their 1.0, maybe 0.5 state. And we've actually taken a lot of uh, inspiration from Solana and some of the local fee markets work that they're doing, which helped them get Visa onboarded as well. And these are actually areas that Core is actively exploring as well, because in order to hit mainstream usage, I sound like a broken record here, you have to get to a spot where you have roughly predictable fees to a point. Like there's a reason that Visa chose Solana. It's because, hey, if I've got all these people that would eventually be paying in USDC or whatever else, I can't have the random day where it starts to cost $300 to make a transaction. Like that just doesn't work at real scale. And I think these other ecosystems are have are now starting to pay a lot more attention to that. And you'll start to see more of the EVM chains, core included, start to move more towards that direction because it's a better solution for nearly all of the ecosystem participants, the validators or block builders, depending on which you know other POS or depot POS system you're in. They get hurt by that economically, potentially. But in, in general, it, it seems like a healthier long-term path. It's tough to balance all the economic incentives. So how does Core actually plan on 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 addressing that problem from a from a pure from a from a technical structural element of EVM? How are you guys going to change that? Are you incorporating aspects uh, like from from a technical level that Solana has employed? I mean, how does it work on a technical level? Just I don't know if it's possible to explain it to an idiot like me, but it's like EVM has this problem. But how are you going to solve it if you're using, you know, technology that's similar? So just really curious how you guys are planning to solve that. I, I don't want you to give any secrets away, by the way. I mean, 
I know that, that the space is starting to get quite competitive. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just really curious what, how are you guys going to solve this problem. So one of the advantages of like being a global organization with, you know, 50 plus people contributing day to day and then thousands of people around the world, you get that collective brain power. And, and that collective brain power is much, much smarter than, than I will ever be. So I can't take a lot of the credit there. I'm, I'm good at coming up with ideas and that sort of thing yeah. that much smarter people than myself take those to market. What I would say is you look at some of the work that Patrick uh, O'Grady over at Avalanche is doing in coordination with Theo, uh, Theo Diamandis and those sort of folks, there's a lot of interesting EVM research that, that's going on there that's definitely inspiring some of the work that we're doing. But I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. But again, it's crypto is all about learning from, from the best out there and taking the pieces that you like and leaving the pieces that you don't like. And I think that's always something I found strange about crypto is if you look at Web3, there's so much not invented here syndrome. Everything that chain does is bad. Like just so much of this like bi uh, you know, bifurcated you know, viewpoints versus in Web2, it's like Facebook will come out with something amazing and then Google improves it. And then, but, but it's a much more collaborative, even though they, of course, keep their own shared secrets and that sort of thing. But it's very different from that approach. And I'm hopeful that Web3 moves more and more in that direction because that'll help everyone in the space move faster. Awesome answer. I mean, it's just it is it, it should be about that. Um, I think there is a lot of pride and and maybe a little bit of arrogance mixed into that. Where you know guys like to kind of like they get an idea and they want to execute on that idea on their own terms. And clearly, you guys are seeing where the opportunities lie. And and it's 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 amazing that you speak about you know all these other chains, Avalanche, Solana. Like there's there's value in what it is that they've created. We love that. That's why we 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 play in all the spaces. You know, that's why we we go and we investigate what it is that everyone's doing because I think everyone has something to offer, whether whether you're paying attention or not. Um, I want to just go back to you know once again the fundamentals of what it is that you guys are doing and 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 I have to bring in kind of like the proof of work side of things and the miners and you know obviously the importance of that and what is the kind of a, the relationship that you guys have got going is there kind of like a, a contractual relationship that you have with bitcoin miners is it kind of like a you're plugging into the network what is the commitment that you guys have is there a formal commitment that you have with miners um can you just kind of give us a little bit of an insight into you know that proof of work dynamic yeah so it's a democratized open access there's not like like it, it's a it's a DAO operating with these other independent entities and, and what keeps the groups working together in this case is the crypto economic alignment and for helping to secure the core chain these miners receive core rewards those core rewards they then reinvest in bitcoin security through their own you know opex uh that they have to do and that creates a nice healthy cycle where additional bitcoin security makes core more secure core then reinvests and increases the security budget of bitcoin and that loop is one of the big changes with core and some of these other systems if you look at some of the L2s on Bitcoin, they've actually had a lot of issues with some of the, the merge mining and other situations they put in place where they don't have the right alignment and the miners are actually censoring their blocks or doing other kind of things that actually hurt their end users. So it's a it's one of those, there's no perfect answer type things, but trying to balance out the different economic actors to kind of all play nicely is really important. And Core, again, it has this strong belief that we need to keep Bitcoin decentralized and secure. So giving back to the miners to help secure that network is in Core's interest as well. And what we've seen with like Ordinal's BRC20s as well, like over the last year, 
there's been so much interest in the Bitcoin chain that the economics of mining have actually changed. But how long term is that? How how like what does that look like with Bitcoin's happening? It's a very it's a beautiful monetary policy, but it's really brutal for businesses that rely on Bitcoin mining and seeing that long term. Can it survive only in transaction fees? There are kind of these open ended questions. I'm still bullish that it is kind of sustainable and everything else long term. But until that maybe gets fully resolved, Core is here to help add additional rewards. So in terms of the the kind of like going back to your roadmap and and looking at what you guys have achieved up until now, what you're busy with right now and what's to come, how do I participate, you know, as as Jedi Blockmates, if I want to get involved in some way or another, what's kind of like the the the, the kind of like the, the real pressure points at the moment? Um yeah, I mean, I know that you guys had an airdrop. Maybe you can just kind of give us a little bit of insight into that. And, you know, is it a testnet thing? Is it beta? Yeah, just walk us through that. Yeah, so Core has been fully live since January of last year. So the mainnet has now been live for almost a year. The airdrop occurred in early February of last year. And the airdrop was to several million people, again, of this like audience that had been building for, for like a year prior helping them get educated on Web3s, so to be able to participate and stake and all that stuff at launch. And as part of that, the 2023 was really about building out the foundations of the chain, the infrastructure, the different contributors on different sides that could help different, you know, lead different areas. So it really was that like foundational element to, to go through. And of course, 2024 is filled with a whole bunch more stuff when it comes to the Bitcoin alignment, some additional incentive programs, so much more to be done. And one of the things that I'm really happy to, to chat about is everyone should come participate in, in the core ecosystem because there's different opportunities for, for all folks. There's researchers that want to you know, kind of help us in some of this fee market stuff or other kind of interesting pieces there. Many different types of builders. There's different you know, ambassadors that can help with translation or, or content. All these pieces work together to create a really, really healthy community. And core is, you know, we kind of loosely refer to it as like the everyman chain where everyone can participate. It's so easy and the community is so welcoming. And then again, there's just all these different audiences to cater to. If you want to get involved on a personal level and that sort of thing, the ambassador program is a great way to get started. If you want to be a builder, post in Discord, do something like that. Our, our, you know, the BD folks are happy to reach out. There's all sorts of interesting builder programs to help people get set up in no time. And there is kind of like a white glove approach to ensure that people can help build these real sustainable businesses. We, we joke that a lot of the you know previous programs are, hey, you, you sign up for a chain, you get a grant, and then you never talk to anyone ever again. Yeah. We, we, we try to do the exact opposite, kind of going back to some of our previous Web2 experience and that sort of thing, which how important like the account management aspect is to ensuring that people are successful. That's a great sales pitch. I mean, I would never have put you as, as, as like a hardcore engineer. I think there's a bit of a hardcore salesman in, in you as well. Awesome. I mean, it's, it sounds very appealing. What, what I will do is, and for anyone who's listening or watching, um, obviously put those links in uh, the video below in terms of, you know, how you can find core and what it is that they're doing. Um, yeah, I think the, the whole space is really starting to open up around Bitcoin. I know that there are a number of um, similar kind of like projects that are looking to enhance this capability and 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 obviously builders coming in 
and trying to to find their way i mean is there an opportunity for devs to get grants through the program that you guys have at the moment um what does that look like i mean are you guys openly engaging at that level so uh the, the core foundation does have a grants program that is open and uh, and accessible you can apply i think directly from the website or via discord as well and the idea there is to again go with that user first mentality what does the, the chain need? What are the users asking for? How, do, how does value accrete back as part of it versus kind of just more splashy launches and that sort of thing? Yeah. There are builder, brand, builder grants and then also growth grants. So there's a variety of different pieces there. I think they're also experimenting with micro grants and also Bitcoin grants, which I'm super stoked about. So lots of cool things happening there, but definitely it's open season for people to come and you know build awesome stuff on Core. Rich, thanks very much for joining us today it's been awesome to chat to you and um i'm a big fan already i mean i know that we've just met and yeah i really do hope that you guys go out there and continue smashing it um yeah we've heard a lot of positive stuff that's obviously why we got we we reached out to get you guys on and yeah I sincerely hope you guys just keep growing and and bringing the best of both worlds um yeah it's been great to chat to you today Likewise, really appreciate you bringing me on. Looking forward to doing it again soon. Cool, take it easy. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please do like and subscribe. Uh, we do appreciate it and it allows us to carry on doing this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, take it easy and thanks for joining us.